What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, it's almost like I can't nobody do it quite like I do it right, right to you how you live, how you live. Oh. Can we pretend that everything is like yesterday? What if I just wanna be just to me? Ain't nobody perfect, so if you take a while and make it worth it, I wanna pretend. Let's pretend that we about to break up. Get the feeling that we wake up. Legs up, suicide, no side. We never can point so we close that.
The Atlanta Mardi Gras Ball is returning once again. Saturday, February the 7th, 2015, to celebrate and pay homage to the Carnival's most popular tradition. From Mobile, Alabama to Atlanta, Georgia, let the good times roll. Text ATL Mardi Gras to 545454. Again, that's just text ATL Mardi Gras to 545454. It's a BYOB affair. Tell them the Empress sent you. Are you tired of nails that lift or lose their shape or they weren't even shaped right to start with? You can tell a lot about a man by his shoes and you can tell even more about a woman by her hands. At Finger Paint Studios, Ebony is able to find the inner beauty, your professional personality, or the downright diva that you are. Check her out at her new location, located at 1914 Emily Avenue at Tuxedo Junction next to KFC. Walk in for welcome and she's open from 9 to 6, Monday through Saturday, or you can call Call 205-601-1995. Tell her the Empress sent you. 2015 is a new year, so don't look old. Get a new look, a new you at Vamoose. Salon. Kegalure at Vanu Salon specializes in making a basic look bang. Located at 703 3rd Avenue North Birmingham or call 205-234-2743 and ask for Kegalure. Tell her the Empress sent you. Very 
uh, good friends here in town, is having some issues with life to the point. Uh, he's a socialite. Uh, I won't mention his name, but those of you in the Birmingham area, just pick up the up the newspaper, and, you know, he's everywhere on the paper. And to make a long <clears throat> I almost choked. To make a long story short, I thought people excited about his issues. For the life of me, I cannot understand how you can celebrate when someone's hurting. It it hurt. Um, he reached out and I'm trying not to cry because it's very it's very hurtful to see anybody get into okay. trouble, you know, whether it's their fault or not. Right. But this is what happened, and people are just, like, excited about it. I don't get it. What, what is your thought about social media, first of all, Tamika? How do you feel about it? Now, you know I am challenged with the technology anyway, and you laugh about it. <laughs> and <laughs> unfortunately, I I think we have gotten into a place that we think we can give a thumbs up or thumbs down on everything as it relates to a person's life. Um, It's not about like or dislike. You don't need to weigh in on everything. And Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook has become this very judgmental, critical vehicle to me. That is why I don't participate on it. And because people feel like they need to offer their opinion on everything, I, I do not like that. I do not like that. Yeah. And yeah. you have to have a rapport with a person in their life, rapport, a common bond, something that binds you together before you speak into a person's life. You just don't right. go to people and say stuff, and we don't do that naturally, but because you're hiding mm-hmm. behind a computer or a phone or an iPad, you feel like that you can just say anything that you want to say, and most of it is critical. You never really hear people mm-hmm. uplifting anybody on Facebook exactly. or Instagram exactly. or Twitter. And right. I think that is it is really tiring at this point for me. And I don't mm-hmm. know why the negativity jumped off the first thing in these mediums. Right. Right. And and you know, I, I understand that it's a snippet. I also understand that uh, you know, there's some unspoken rules about the internet. If you post it publicly then you're really giving people the option to have a critique. And I do understand that. I do understand that. But I feel, as as you just spoke, I really, I I understand that. What I am posting, and I, I don't think that I'm special. I just think that what I will post, I will say to you. So I'm very critical about what I post now. I used to be just one who would say whatever to whoever um, in any realm of whatever, and it's not healthy. And the thing that broke my heart was that these are the same people who I have seen them comment on his page and say all of these accolades and have all of these positive things to say. And with anybody who works in the media or in television, radio, even on the Internet, you're going to get a perspective, and it's just one. Uh, I sent out a video when I was picking up my kids this evening because it it, it, it it hurt me, and I'm not even involved in it, so I can imagine what power 
um, even the non-spoken word over someone's life and situation can do for that person literally and, and with their ego. Um, and then I went from that page to a very public person. Now, he's a socialite. This person is the daughter of Whitney Houston. Now, we do not know what's happened. We do not know the full extent of, of, of everything that's happened in her life, uh, but we do know enough that this is approaching the anniversary of her mother's death. This is also the season that um, is right past a celebratory season, a high-risk time of the year for suicide. We also know that this in this time, um, she was just, her mother's uh, life and legacy was portrayed in film and all, and all over the world for people to make judgment about uh, without being able to justify it herself, without, you know, discrediting that it was a work about her mom. So there are so many things that can happen in a person's life, and a word of good has just as much power as the word of bad, and it just was surprising that had somebody just made maybe a, a, a comment of, Lord, I wish we could pray for him and his family, that they'll make it through this. Uh, fine. No, this was an attorney who decided that it was cute to say, you know, this is, you know, pretty much ignorant. He actually had uh, explicatives in his post, and I was kind of put back. And, and to top it all off, because it is February, and I'm not saying we're supposed to be on any better behavior because it's February, but he it was a black man, a black man criticizing and bandwagoning and dragging the name of another black man in public as if that's cool. I mean, it just it just didn't feel right, and I don't like it, and and I'm and I'm trying to get over it, but I can just imagine, and I have extended myself. Uh, before any of this happened, knowing that some of this was going to happen, but because I can't move anything from my personal opinion out into the atmosphere, what I did say is that I would extend prayers for a resolution, that if this is not the full truth, that the full truth will be exposed and he can be exonerated. But if not, if, if there is, because I don't judge anybody, I'm capable of being wrong. I'm capable of being um, misunderstood, so I'm just as capable to be uh, uh, accused of something and criminalized in in the media as as anybody else. Like there's no rule that some you know some of us are free to go, whereas others are not. We're all under the same possibility of of uh, critique. And so that I got that out of my system, we can just go forward. I hope I hope that the the three P's are uplifting and have a lot more. Uh, and um, what we're going to do is we're going to reintroduce you to Mika, Miss Tamiko McDavid Jackson. Right. Yay! I love that applause. I really do. Girl, thank you. I need to carry that around with me. Just have a clapping machine. <laughs> well, Makes me feel I better just want to say. Uh, no, I, I want to say that uh, Tamika has been a friend of mine since I've been 
in um, Birmingham, well, not really since I've been in Birmingham, but for the last six years have has been just a confidant, a, a true friend. I had a show about friends last week and learning that that person gives you something that can uplift yourself and that can positively change your life. And I think this, this is how this show came to be. But before we get into the show, I want you to just introduce yourself to the people who may or may not know who you are. So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Miss Jackson. <laughs> well, I would like to say I am very honored to be on your show tonight with the Empress and the Empire. Uh, I have been privy to the concept of it from just a thought in your mind, and it's very nice to see manifestation. I'm very proud of you that you've stepped out and, and you're doing your dream, and I think that is most important. Um, and that came about from a conversation as well. I believe that um, we should have more impactful conversations with each other. I am uh, actually a native Floridian, been in the Birmingham area now over the last 25 to 30 years. I'm not going to give my age. I am a registered nurse. Uh, I am also a motivational speaker, licensed minister. I really um, have a heart for my community in a different way. I like to use my faith and my profession. And by that, I mean as a nurse, of course, we're preventing disease and also promoting healing and wellness. But I also um, would like to incorporate, like I said, my faith in my community as well. So sometimes I have the heart conversations. Sometimes I have the controversial conversations um, that a typical minister may not have. And so uh, I have to talk about sexuality a little bit, HIV uh, and AIDS prevention. And I have volunteered with several organizations and being in the community and talking to people, testing people, testing for blood pressure as well as HIV, I've realized that um, we need more information. We just need more information and caring. And caring and actually having a background or a love for knowledge myself is what compels me to talk. And and talking about some of the taboo subjects um, it seems to be what I've gravitated towards. Um, <laughs> well, and I that is why we're having job. this conversation. Right, but you do. I, I, it's it's with such ease that you conversate about things that need to be talked about. I think that what you do is you take the edge off of feeling um, convicted in instruction when it's necessary. And I think that you do a great service. I think you do a great service. But we're gonna go ahead and get into the topic because you know I, I'm excited to learn about these teas, and you know me. With my love, need to be baptized in hot oil. Trying to figure out exactly how this is going to work. We kind of discussed it a little bit, but first of all, if you could introduce how, where, where did the three P's come from? What exactly made the three P's uh, a, a topic of discussion for us? Because I'm not really sure how that came about. Well, I tell you, as as a, a knowledge seeker myself, I'm always intrigued by uh, self-development, self-actualization. And I was watching a television show, of course, Ayana Fixed My Life, and it was a very controversial uh, show about a gentleman named Jay Williams that has uh, 34 children with 17 different women. 
And she uh, had sessions with him, his children, as well as some of the baby mamas, as we call them, because he was not married to any of these women. And she had an after show with the women because she wanted to delve a little bit further into the conversation uh, because, of course, it got passionate and really to listen and to hear what they had to say. And so she asked the question, why were you attracted to this man Were you attracted to the person, the penis, or the promise? And, of course, that struck a little chord (laughs) because did she just say the penis? Did she just say that? And she said penis. She said penis. She just, the penis. Were you attracted Mm. to the person, the penis, Mm. or the promise? Mm. And some questioned the promise of what? What did he promise them? And the discussion was very interesting. Uh, Many of the women reflected on they didn't want to be lonely. Uh, Many of the women uh, reflected on they had abandonment issues. There were some shame issues because some of them were pregnant at the same time. And um, one just admitted she settled. She settled for the type of relationship he was offering, even though there were 17 other women and probably she had one child, so it was 33 other children connected to him. And when I contemplated <laughs> some of our relationships, what are we looking for? Are we looking for right. that person? Is it just the penis or the punani, as you like to say, as far as, mm-hmm. as, far as the vajayjay, or the promise? Yeah. And what is what mm-hmm. is that promise? Is that promise mm-hmm. monogamy or is it matrimony? Um, you know, in our culture and in our society, you you know, monogamy may be what people want as opposed to being married, which is matrimony. Okay, so the person. The person, uh, from what I can remember, because I did see that show, and my heart kind of broke for him because he was in a great financial place where he was able to provide the things, but what is it in the person that uh, was the most significant? Because I think how can you know, and I'm gonna go back to how you are a spiritual, divine thinking and practicing person. So it was hard for me to even intertwine sex into this because I think I'm, I speak for a lot of people. Sex in any way, shape, or form is not well taught or even touched on in in any church, synagogue, any spiritual movements that have any religious uh, or denominational undertone. Most churches just don't talk about it, and I think that is the truth. So when we talk about person, what exactly are you mean? What what exactly is that? Let's just go there first. What what exactly do you mean by the person? I believe that we all have to understand, first of all, that we're made for relationship. We are created for relationship. Most of us are the product of a family, family in our community Mm -hmm. and in in our uh, surrounding environment. And Mm -hmm. our need for connection, the psychologist will tell you, is part of the five basic needs that we have. Self-actualization, self-esteem, connection, and then, of course, like our physical safety, warmth, and food. We have those basic needs. So connection as a person is something that we just gravitate towards. Now, I've actually had to teach this with teenagers. 
by using a movie called March of the Penguins. And people Mm -hmm. will laugh, of course, when I mention the March of the Penguins, but my point in showing the movie is at the base nature of an animal, such as a penguin, there is a natural order of connection that happens. And they all, to me, look alike. But how does that distinction come for a male penguin and a female penguin to connect? And as you're watching the show, you realize that there is a sound. There's a sound that is distinct, that is attractive to the male, that he wants to get with the female penguin. And then they court each other, and we saw them kiss and hug. We did see that. And... And natural mating takes place, and both partners are involved in the maturation of their child. And it's a painstaking, cold, long process, but they uh-huh. agreeably and, and just cooperate wonderfully. And I was looking uh-huh. at this film saying if a penguin can acknowledge <laughs> the need yes. for relationship and connection. Why are we, as the height of creation, stumbling Uh at this process? And it is a natural process. Okay, we are, and I'll break it down this way, the person. You are a Uh three-part being. You're triune. You're made in the creation of God. And like I said, I'm going to come from a Judeo-Christian explanation of spirituality. And, and I may, I know some of your listeners may have other faiths. They may have disagreement. But, okay, for the for the Uh For the argument of the discussion tonight, you are a Uh spirit that Uh has a soul that is housed Uh in a body, you know, Uh Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You are Uh a spirit. You are a spirit being. You have a soul, mind, will, and imagination, and you are housed in a body, a physical house. And because of our physical house, there are some things on just a biochemical level that promotes uh-huh. connectedness, that okay. releases pheromones and wonderful scents and smells that uh-huh. promote attraction between male and female. Uh-huh. We have uh-huh. those particular hormones that uh, cause our genitalia to form. And just in the creation of who we are, which is wonderful because that's how I got into the sciences and nursing or whatever, because I just love to uh-huh. see the descriptive of God in the body and how it has taken one egg, 500,000 sperm, and a 48-hour window for you to get here. And just the possibility of how that happens and Uh the little you that is formed in your mother's womb has everything in it to produce another person when you get here. So in the Uh seed of even an apple, there's the the ability uh-huh. to produce another apple. In the seed of a human uh-huh. being, there is still seed to produce another human being. I'm talking uh-huh. about even with your son and your daughter, they have everything uh-huh. they need as they mature already to produce uh-huh. already, come with them inside. Uh-huh. That but, is okay. astounding to me. It, it, it's amazing. And, and some people just discount it as some type of chemical happening that just happens to be perfectly, you know, matched every time. I know that we have some uh, children and people and beings and things that aren't in quotation marks born normal or made 
properly, but it's ordered in exactly the way that it was seated to be here. But when you were talking about person, you said that it's natural. It is just natural. It is just what, uh, like you are sensitive yeah. to have an attraction for relationships. So are you saying that regardless of whether a person marries or not or has a significant other or not, that it is just natural in that person for a relationship of some kind? It's natural in that person to have a relationship of some kind because we have to look at the degrees of relationship we have, not just marital relationship, not just male and female dating relationship. You have friends. You have your okay. your family, your extended family, your cousins, those type things, and all of those relationships produce the person, the personage of who mm-hmm. you are and impacts mm-hmm. what you bring to the world. The significance mm-hmm. of who you are is it's kind of like it's kind of funny because there are some sovereignties of God that you don't have any control over. You don't have any control over your race. You don't have any control over your mm-hmm. gender. You don't have control over your family that you're born into. You have no control oh, over no. the generation that you're born into. And I thought that mm-hmm. was very interesting. Um, and also, your I did want to mention your gender, male or female, your race, your family, your generation. Those are uh-huh. some off the board you have no control over. But right. in the bigger scheme of God, there's a reason why me and you were born in this generation and not in the 60s. Because uh-huh. we are, you know, we are maturing in 2015 to to give knowledge and to promote awareness beyond where our parents did. And uh-huh. they endured civil rights and all the different things that they contributed to it. And I think that's wonderful and great. But we also have uh-huh. to speak to our generation. So the person uh-huh. of the empress, uh-huh. the person uh-huh. of your existence is uh-huh. in order for a relationship, is made for significance, is made for uh-huh. progression and evolving. I mean, life is great. I mean, that you know, uh-huh. we spend so much time when we're in our youth just bemoaning everything that's going on that's changing us and okay. making us into who we are, that you missed the whole point of what's, what you're doing. Baby, if I had a quarter for every time that you just walk by my desk and say, Sharon, stop fighting the process, just work the process, just work the process, because there is a reason for everything, and, you know, we just want to know it all at the beginning, regardless. You know, this is just too much. I look up to the students and say, now, God, why are you with me like this? I know it's some other folk that need, that need you right now. Like, I, I need you to stop giving me all these trials. But some people don't believe that that, actually is even a possibility that this is just uh, a a spontaneous happening bit by bit by bit. But regardless of that, I think we've made the understanding that the person is significant and everybody has something, don't they? Don't don't you think everybody has something? Everybody has something. And that is the thing Mm -hmm. that I have been privileged to help teenagers to discover. Locked inside of who you Mm -hmm. are is the tools that you need to actually complete your assignment. There's different things that we all gravitate towards, whether it's creativity or whether it's mathematics or whether it's um, English or literature. Um, There's just things that we naturally are inclined to be proficient in. And when you take different personality tests, temperament tests, um, learning styles, things of that nature, when you ask those questions because you are wired a certain way, you are going to actually show a profile of what you have available to you. There's keys, there's tools, there's talents, there's skills that everyone has, 
And your job in life is to discover what that is. And mm. that that process, we can't Thank speed it up, we can't slow it down. It does is at different times for different people. But I tell teenagers mm-hmm. all the time, baby, you have everything you need on the inside of you to be successful. Your job is to discover yeah. what those things are. And mm. I am that is amazing to me that I yes. have a bend a certain way. You know, the scripture talking about train up a child in the way that she go. You, there's a certain being, there's a certain uh, skill set that I have already on mm-hmm. the inside of the seed right. again that I have to discover. And, and when I put my hands to discovering that, I am most passionate about life. I am most purposeful right. about what I'm doing. I am fulfilled. Right. And we and have to help our children to see that. Right. I, I I can remember uh, having this discussion with you at work about how the very thing that I felt was my purpose was the very thing that came up under attack just to not allow me to conversate. I don't think that having a conversation is a gift. I just think that some of the experiences that people have, they are not able to put the words to them because it's painful and it's like a, I have this discernment with people, and I know this is like this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but we're not going to get on me. I have a couple people on hold, and I want to allow you, if you have anything to add, I would like to ask us, of Tamiko at this point, how I identify you is by the last four digits of your phone number, and I'll open up your line so that you can do that at this time. 9928, are you there, and can you hear me? Nine nine two eight. Hello. Hi, you're on the air. Would you like to say anything at this point? Yes, I was just so intrigued about the um, three P's, and you know, it's hard to um, tackle the middle of the three P's. Nevertheless, you already know. If you already know. <laughs> yes. Did you know? Did but you know them ahead of time, or did? You, did you know him ahead I did of not. time or was this you did not? Okay, okay, okay. And so far do you can you identify about the three parts of self, the soul, spirit, and and that it's housed inside of a body with the absolute purpose? Do you feel like you have an understanding of that in yourself already? Yes. I I really think that it's important to have a um, spiritual connection um, mm-hmm. with someone, but it, it's easy for uh, me and my husband because he was already um, raised. Mm-hmm. He was raised. I didn't have to fix him. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but the thing is, you 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 know, we as um, women, we we look for different things, but but. You know, some some of us get lucky enough to have that already in them when when we marry them, as opposed mm. to having to shape them into what we want. Uh-huh. But I was I Kamika, was blessed have... to have a. Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. The there was like a five, there was like a five second delay between my hearing you and you hearing me, so sometimes it'll overlap a little bit, and I apologize for that. I still haven't gotten that down. But go ahead and finish your point, and then, Tamika, if you would answer to that. I'm sorry about interrupting. Okay, yeah, like I was saying, we we look for um, 
you know, we try to make a man into what we want or, you know, we want somebody to be like our dad. Or, and that's what my daughters are having a problem with. They want somebody to be like their daddy. But like I tell them, they weren't raised that way, so you can't expect them to be like your dad because he's he's already, uh, you know, he was already a church-going man when I met him. He was already uh, grounded and rooted. But um, mm-hmm. a lot of us have that problem where, we, you know, we try to make them into something that they're not. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would I would say this to the caller. I mean, I appreciate your comment, and I realize we were talking about the three Ps as it related to uh, a situation that was a little messy as far as having 17 women and 34 children. When you are attracted to a person, what is attract? What is bringing you to the relationship? Is it the person? Is it the penis Mm -hmm. or is it the promise of a future with that person? And that's why the three Mm. Ps came up. And I know we shy away from sexuality most times, but that is a component of relating. That is a component of relationship. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, that we are made as sexual beings from birth. Your genitalia, whether you have a vagina or a penis, is sexuality in itself, period, point blank. Mm. The base of who you are is sexual. Your gender Mm. is something that is sovereignly determined by the father. And so then you are male or female right there at that place of, you know, when they smack you on the back and they say, it's a girl, it's a boy. And so we know then (laughs) sexuality is right there. What we do not understand is the biochemical response of the body in how how it promotes connectedness in sexuality, uh-huh. how our soul is knit, our mind, our will, our emotions are knit to a person when we are involved with them sexually. And then our spirit uh-huh. man, there is such a such thing as transference of spirit. And I know a lot of people uh-huh. don't like to get into that aspect of sexuality. And I'll have to say this uh-huh. as a woman, a young Christian woman, yes, I was taught about fleeing fornication, as we say in church, but I still went into a particular relationship. I was not emotionally mature enough for sexuality. I was not Uh ready for the emotions that sex brought. And those emotions came from that physical connection with the person. So when we say, Uh am I just going after the penis, some people equate Uh sexual activity with love because it does produce such a bonding. There is Mm. hormones that are excreted during the time of sexual arousal and pleasure. So you have oxytocin Mm -hmm. and vasopressin, norepinephrine, you have uh, prolactin. Mm -hmm. All of these are hormones that are bonding you to the person that you're intimate with. Mm. So on a biochemical level, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no, go ahead. On a, on a biochemical level, you are not in control of that. And so we are critical sometimes of people's choice of relationship, but if they're sexually involved, they're bonded to that person emotionally. And you know what? It's so, you know, I, I understand it because I was raised in the church, and I am so grateful and thankful for my upbringing because I think that it was, Obviously, the the maximum of what the ability uh, of that church and that movement and that body of persons could offer. I honestly believe that. I don't believe that if there was any more information that it was being hidden or anything like that. People can only address what they're capable of being able to address. And I think that that is the truth of most churches because, and I'll say this, it's amazing to me that 
<laughs> people would never address sex in church, but they would address hell. They would always say that you're a spiritual being and that, you know, God is going to move emotionally with you, and that's like a communion that you have with, with that spirit. We're made of him, but then for us to have any other spiritual interaction, emotion, arousal, or anything like that is just hell-bound. And the number of children that would be born at a church and Mm -hmm. damned to hell but never addressed to what was happening in the church, and then you would go to the schoolhouse and they would tell you how normal this attractivity is, that, you know, at puberty this happens and that happens. And the other thing is is that you're around, all of this happens at a part of your life where you're influenced to be a part of this group that feels normal. And if everybody else supposedly is, is functioning and not going to hell, then why uh, why is it just not being addressed? So let's go ahead and talk about this penis and poo nanny because everybody got one or the other, okay? It's, well, I'll it's tell so you for shocking. me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I will tell you for me, the penis or the poo nanny, we, we have to respect. Now, this is just from a, a health perspective where we are right now. There's certain boundaries that we do need to have with sexuality. Number one, okay. we do need to have some boundaries. Um, I am a product of being molested as a child, and we have to realize that a lot of us have been exposed to sexuality as children in adult type of contextual uh, situations, and we shouldn't have uh-huh. been. So right. I, that is not ideal. That's not ideal. So uh-huh. that's a boundary that has been crossed. Um, I believe okay. the statistic is one in three girls, one in four boys have been incested, molested, or raped uh, by the time uh-huh. they are between seven and eight years old. Realizing uh-huh. that a child is coming up or having this experience, so then their view of sexuality is going to be jaded anyway. I think it's right. amazing that even as a child, if you have experienced this, and like I said, if the statistic is one in three, there's a lot of people, even some of your listeners that have experienced this, even as a child, uh-huh. you knew it was wrong. You could not uh-huh. identify it. You couldn't articulate it as a child, but you know it made you feel uncomfortable. You know right. it was something shameful with it. That uh-huh. that context of sexuality being introduced right then is where that shame factor comes in with sex. Uh, uh. But a child would not be exposed to it at that point. Exactly. But you knew like, it was wrong. Okay, okay. So, and I, like I said, I know you're passionate about this. I know you're passionate about it. But I just wanted to bring yeah. the context of the penis and the biochemical part of the connection that happens mm-hmm. with sex. That's what we don't talk to our children about. We tell them to prevent STDs. We want them to prevent mm-hmm. pregnancy. But you're not talking to them about how their emotions are going to be connected, how their soul is right. going to be impacted. Because right. when that person gets up and walks away from you in that bedroom situation, that's that's traumatizing. That is not right. nice. <laughs> right. You don't like right. that feeling. And so I think rather wonder. than... You just said something that made me wonder, Tamika. You said that, okay, you said that those hormones and all, are they, do they uh, speed up in a child? Like, it shouldn't be happening to them. So they're getting some hormonal stuff that they probably shouldn't have been exposed to to start with. And we, it, is that what changes them? 
a baby or a, ch- a child, a school-age child, is still going to have a response of pleasure if their genitalia is stimulated a certain way. Okay. But there okay. is not an understanding of what that is. You know how the little baby, little baby boy will reach down there when you're changing his diaper, or uh-huh. a female baby may do the same thing. We are aware uh-huh. of those pleasure principles, those pleasure places on our body as uh-huh. babies, as infants. Yes, you will have a response uh-huh. to it, but the uh-huh. um, the underlying, the other hormones are not fully developed and operating right. Estrogen, testosterone, all of those things are not coming, uh, they're not to be released at that particular time when you are a child. When you are six or seven years old, we have Uh some because, you know, you haven't gotten to puberty yet. So when puberty Uh comes and you have the FHJ, FSH and LSH and testosterone and progesterone, I mean, estrogen and progesterone, all of those things Uh are causing the breast to develop and the hips to round out and thighs Uh and all of those things. And then the gentlemen have their testosterone and and all of the things that affected their facial hair and those type things. But when you're six Uh or seven, that's not to happen until you're, what, 13, 14, 15. Mm. You know, it's it's that scary. Ooh, that's scary. I was looking. Uh, we had a show before, and we were talking to the guys about sexuality and that sort of thing, and it was almost promoted. It was almost promoted for them to have some level of sexual experience, a lot of them before they were even 12 years old, and a lot of their experiences were with adult persons, which to me is the definition of uh, molestation and child abuse. Mm-hmm. And But because it was related or enforced or set up by another family member and it was a curiosity, they thought that they were doing them a favor by introducing this child into this adult world of sexuality. I want to open up another line so that, uh, Tamika, you can talk to them about this second P. And, of course, the second P is the penis and punani. Every time I say P, you know, (laughs) on, on any show that I do, that's where the mind usually goes with my listeners sometimes. But, you know, we're a sexually aware group of persons. Here on the Empire ninety six ninety, are you there? And can you hear me? Nine six nine zero, are you there? Would you like to have something to say? And maybe they don't. And 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 we also do that too on the Empire. We do not want to expose you to anything <laughs> that you don't want to say. But I tell you that there is a level of confidentiality. Of course, we don't say the same thing we say at work, Tamika, but. What we do say is that your tr- your truth is yours. We're not going to exploit that. We're not going to maim you for that. We just want you to know that you have a place to express yourself if if that is what you'd like to do. So we've learned the first as person. We've learned the second as the penis and the punani. And we've now I think that that was one of the more powerful things that you said is that even be even though there's a response to pleasure as a pre-adolescent, it doesn't, it can't even be a full sexual experience because they're not even chemically mature enough to respond or equal out that response in a in a in an adult way or or a protected way, I guess you could say. That is the the beauty again of creation and how we are made. 
Um, of course, uh-huh. sex for many of us may be taboo, and we have not studied sexuality on this particular level. Most times you got to be in grad school or uh, <laughs> higher levels of uh-huh. education to talk about sexuality uh-huh. really from a uh-huh. biochemical background uh-huh. as well as uh, most people view sexual deviance uh, <laughs> topics uh-huh. in those studies. Uh-huh. But we have to, I think it's funny that many of us want to engage in sex or have engaged in sex and we really don't know what motivates us to be attracted to each other. I think uh, that is so funny. I also is. feel like it it's very amazing to me that even as Christian people, um, yes, God created male and female. It was his idea. Marriage was God's idea, and sexuality was God's idea as well. But it was intended mm-hmm. for procreation and pleasure. Mm-hmm. There is a pleasure aspect of sexuality. I have learned over the course of my adult life, that there are certain boundaries about sexuality I didn't need to cross because it Uh confused my emotional attachment to someone who was not emotionally attached to me. Now, Uh the actual act, yes, is for the marriage bed because uh, hopefully my husband's not going to jump up out the bed (laughs) and walk away Said that okay, but I, uh, maybe a person who was not married to me or in a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. I And I have to speak from my experience, Empress. I, I know okay. that we are in a modern culture. I know that right. it's 2015. I know right. that it's a lot of Christian people, Muslims, Buddhists, uh, everybody having sex. Everybody. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But what I have realized for myself mm-hmm. is that the boundary that was stipulated for marriage was of a safety mm-hmm. a safety net for me because I, again, yes, had my sexual experience as a child. I matured and was curious and attracted to, to young men, and I think it was great because mm-hmm. it's kind of funny that even our attractiveness, when, when estrogen and testosterone comes on the scene as far as in our bodies, we see the young men and we see their biceps and we see their, uh, you know, I was teasing y'all, the small of their back, and we see the thighs mm. and we see all of those things that we like and the smell of the cologne and all the wonderful yes. grooming and goatee and all of those things. Yes. And, and we know there's nothing like a nice-looking African-American man. And when he has his swag together, it is a wonderful thing. But I do have had to respect, had to respect mm-hmm. what sexuality really was about and what it was for. Mm-hmm. And I had to really examine, I, because I didn't like what I was feeling. This is my experience. Mm-hmm. I slept with okay. people. I'm glad it wasn't too many people. Because, but anyway, I did sleep with people, but I didn't like the way I felt afterwards. It wasn't loving. It wasn't that right. connection that that uh-huh. love was supposed to be. It it wasn't right. that. And so when uh-huh. we were examining the the penis, yes, we all uh-huh. want to have intimacy on that level, but uh-huh. it's a certain person that you have that intimacy uh-huh. with. Now I don't want him uh-huh. to be with seventeen other women. I no, that's no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you know what? in in, Tamika, in that show, in that that's question. A, Tamika, we had a show and that's not a bad number supposedly. Like I don't want to know. I don't think I want to know. I don't But do you know I but do you well, I'll tell you this Empress, but our averages are lower than that. Do you know worldwide the average number of sexual partners a person has is only 9? 
See, well, I know I, men I, like to brag. That, yes, they've done statistics on it. And in the United States, it's 10. That's the only difference. I mean, they broke it down by country, but globally, the, on, the, the average number of sexual partners that people have is nine. See, that's so they've been lying. They've been lying to uh, me. Yeah. They've been lying to me. They've been lying. <laughs> or maybe they're just counting the number of times that they get in bed with somebody. Now I want to open the line back up to a, a new caller. Um, and, again, if you would, if you don't want to have anything to say, that's fine. But I want to just acknowledge that you're there, and you can ask anything of Ms. Tamika McDavid <laughs> Jackson. Uh, and She's going to get my whole uh, that's your whole name. That's when you're real professional, when you got a lot of names. 8,007 is the last four digits of your number. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, uh, I'm here. Um, I really didn't want to say anything. I was actually trying to find out which days your show is on. I was telling a few people about it here in Houston. Oh, well, thank you so much. We're here on Wednesdays and Sundays, but I, I hear the bass and testosterone in you, so you please just have a little bit to say. We're talking about the three Ps tonight, and if you uh, shoot me your information wherever you found me on whatever uh, area you found, just shoot me an inbox, and I'll, you know, I'll get the specifics to the next upcoming show. So we're talking about the penis. No, we're not. We're talking about the three Ps. Okay, we talk about the three P's, and it's very significant, this second one, the penis and the punani, the significance of it to a wholeness is, and our guest tonight, Mr. Tamiko McDavid Jackson, is breaking that down for a man. Do you think that what she said so far is true, that uh, there, the statistics of men uh, are a little bit inflated with their true experience? <laughs> Uh, with women. Do you think that's true, that the average is around 10 and not 22, like y'all be saying? Houston, I still see you, Houston. Houston say, I ain't going to say nothing that's going to incriminate me because <laughs> I said I want to say nothing. Houston, are you there? Houston is still there, but we're going to go ahead and put Houston back on. on, on. Go ahead. And is there anything else you want to tell us about this union? Because I, I, I know that we've talked in depth about the soul transfer or the spiritual binding that you have when you actually have sex with people, and whether it's one or nine or 19. Um, that is when you really – I'm, I'm ahead, sorry. I didn't ahead, mean to please. interrupt. But that is the thing that also, for me, I did not realize. The uh, triune description of yourself, spirit, soul, and body, that even though you're in a physical act, it is an emotional and it's a spiritual act as well. And it depends on who you are sleeping with because, of course, as we know as health professionals, each person that you're sleeping with, you're sleeping with the person they slept with also. That is why the HIV statistics, if you've ever seen one of those charts of the exposure to AIDS and with the number of sexual partners that you have, when you go beyond three, you are multiplying and doubling the number of people that you're exposed to because if that person is sexually active, you're sexually active, everyone that you have slept with, everyone that they have slept with, Everybody is sleeping together. I think that the because we do not understand the spiritualness or the spiritual beings that we are, we do not realize that that is um, an entryway to you. When you have intercourse, you are entering the course of that person's life. 
when the genitalia oh. come together, there is a connection physically, yes, there's a connection uh-huh. emotionally, hopefully, that you're not just, you know, <laughs> but you're having Doing some it. type of emotional connection with the person, and your spirit uh-huh. man are connecting as well. Now, I have had uh-huh. the experience, unfortunately, of I was around a person that had multiple partners, and this person uh-huh. just touched me. And when I say they just touched me, Empress, there was something that happened in their touch. And because oh. I was aware spiritually, I realized that was spiritual. And I uh-huh. knew that it was, he was coming with something else. He wasn't just uh-huh. presenting his fine chocolate self because, again, you know, I'm attracted uh-huh. to a certain prototype. I'm just being real with you. And uh, <laughs> he... I, but I knew I was like mm, something something uh-huh. is up here, and I was uh-huh. glad that my spiritual antenna caught it. But he just uh-huh. touched my hand, Sharon. I'm saying hand. He just touched my hand, ma'am. Uh-huh. Not not anything uh-huh. else. Don't let. And that, you can't let people touch you. Don't it's, touch me. It's really it's really um. You you are we're naive, I believe, a lot of times as it relates to how we're really made and how we respond to this world and the people that we're around. And so mm-hmm. the um as course people say soul ties that come about again with the biochemical process with uh orgasm, arousal, attraction, all of those hormones or neurotransmitters as we know them in the medical background, you have that going on in your brain area. And they studied the response of the body with the brain. That's how we got, was it Masters and Johnson and all those wonderful things, <laughs> studies about sex right. and sexuality. You know the response that the body goes through with each phase, from arousal to plateau to climax, those type things. So the neurotransmitters are responding in the brain area, the cerebral cortex area, um, that we what you can't see is the spirit man and what is going on with the spirit man as that activity is going on. And so we are connecting to that person. And then, just to be honest, you know, some people carry some stuff. I just, that's the best way I know how to, <laughs> how yes, to just um, tell it. <laughs> That's best way I know how to express that. Everyone uh-huh. does not name the name of Christ. Everyone uh-huh. does not believe in God. Everyone does not worship God. And there are uh-huh. people worshiping and uh, calling on some other things. And when uh-huh. they are calling on other spirits, other gods, then uh-huh. that's what is operating in their life. So as you have intercourse, as I've seen an author um Timothy Elberton and Sex, Sex in the Kingdom, very interesting book, but he talks about how you enter the course of their life when you are having intercourse. Oh my that goodness. is the spiritual aspect of it. And so we do we do need to be careful at times. Um, too many partners we know already exposes us to STDs. HIV and AIDS uh-huh. exposure, especially if it's unprotected sex. Didn't want to put that out there too, because of uh-huh. course the question came up: How are you fathering all these children? Obviously, you are not using any um, protection. any protection. That's and right. why are we so liberal in this particular area when it is it can potentially affect your life as far as your right. quality of life lifespan, as well as um, actually producing children? that are coming from uh-huh. a broken home. Uh-huh. 
And that question, I that question I talked about over and over again with women because. It has been statistically shown that if a woman really insists on a person using a condom, we can, of course, prevent HIV and AIDS transmission as well as uh, prevent pregnancies that these people are saying that they do not want. But you know, we have these children that are products of these unions that are casual, that are short-term. It's not like we're in a committed whatever. We're just, you know, right. hooking up, that's what you I, say. But, I, I know I was, uh, I listen to Ricky Smiley all the time, and on Tuesday they have paternity test. Tuesday, every Tuesday, and I'm literally holding my breath, regardless of what the circumstance is, because when you have to uh, prove paternity, you're you're automatically assuming that this person is having unprotected sex with at least two people, okay? And so you don't even trust what that person is doing, and I, it's hard for me to even believe that that has gone to the soul. You said something about, you know, you're having a particular uh, discernment of the spirit just by a touch. What about people who who uh, say that they're just, you know, they just they're just bed partners, they're just booty partners, they're just, you know, getting down? That it has nothing to do with their spirit. Can you just be having body sex, or does it always go to the spirit and soul? When you're intimate, you can't separate the three parts of your being. You can't say, mm-hmm. "Okay, I'm gonna put my soul over here on the hat rack. I'm gonna put my emotions mm-hmm. over here, and then I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna take my spirit off, like you're taking off pajamas or house shoes." You are mm-hmm. connected. You are that. That's mm-hmm. why healing comes the way that it does because the three mm-hmm. parts are connected. And that's why Mm -hmm. something as simple as a happy disposition can help a physical Mm -hmm. disease. The body Mm -hmm. is diseased, but the mind, the spirit, the soul, they're all working Mm -hmm. together to produce healing. You can't separate Mm -hmm. your three parts. It's kind of like you can't unscramble the eggs. You put the eggs in there, salt, pepper, you put the cheese in there, and then you say, no, I Mm -hmm. want the cheese out. You can't do that once Mm -hmm. you scramble them. We are three parts. Mm -hmm. Now, the mm-hmm. science is that it takes a while for a man to be connected emotionally with his partner mm-hmm. based on prolactin mm-hmm. and some of the other hormones. But even the physical act, just think about it. Now, I'm just, you know, I won't tell on myself, but, okay, think about it. You're with this person, you've been intimate with them, and then they don't call you for a day or two. Your mind mm-hmm. starts doing all kinds of stuff. You want uh-huh. to go off. You want to be ballistic. You want to slash the ties and, and bust out some windows in the car because uh-huh. you have shared the intimate part of yourself with someone and they kind of dissed you. So your your response to it is something that you don't even have control over because uh-huh. you are spirit, soul, and body, and all of you right. was there. All of you connected right. with that person. Men can say the uh-huh. same thing. They see the young lady, uh-huh. she may be out with someone else. He's furious. He go, uh-huh. Jackson spoke up. Because his being, his whole self was there in that act. And although uh-huh. some of us try to act hard and, you know, if you got to uh-huh. be drunk or high to do some of the stuff that you're doing with the folks you're doing it with, okay, number one, that's a problem. Something wrong. But, yeah. <laughs> but it does not numb or nullify the act and what has come about. Now, I'm not a man. Uh, I'm just speaking from a female uh, perspective. 
But we uh-huh. cannot separate our being, so you can't take the parts of you off and separate it. So it's all there. Uh-huh. I want to go ahead and allow for our caller uh, out of Mississippi, if you would like to have anything else to say before we go to our last key. Did you have any ahas right then when we were talking about this penis and, and panani? Yes, I Not do. Because we, we you know, just like you said, you, you can't separate. Um, you are entering into that person or that person is entering into you. So um, the emotions, of course, are going to get intertwined with all of that and the pleasure principle of the matter. Um, you know, you're pleased with what's going on or not pleased with what's going on. Um, when it comes to intimacy, so that is a um, your emotions get involved, and you can't separate it. So then, when that call doesn't come the next day, or when they act a certain way and they start, you know, acting funny or acting different, then you're like, well, mm-hmm. what did I do or not do, or mm-hmm. did I not do something right? So then you're getting all in your feelings, and they're not in mm-hmm. theirs, and there you are. Mm. Lord, so I just you know we need this class in elementary school because I think that we're waiting a little bit too late to try to introduce anything to these children. My my kids are young; they're like nine and ten, and it's unbelievable some of the questions that they come with. And you know, you got to try to prep the girls about their hygiene and you know their femininity and that time of the flower that's going to come. So those seem to be the biggest things. But some of the things that they come and ask you about, you're not even prepared. So I think if we equip the older people that we could even save some of these children. Lord, please let Tamiko save my daughter and my son tonight. Okay, let's go to the third promise because, well, the third P, which is promise. And I wanted you to um, explain that to us because I, we kind of went into the March of the Penguins, and I'm telling you, that that movie, she she showed this movie to a group of, of, of ladies who I think we're all single. Explain the whole uh, program that you have <laughs> us going through, the Operation Esther, if you would, because I think, you know, and I'm not putting you out there, but I think that this is absolutely amazing what she has done in such a short amount of time. And if you had this to do, like, a, uh, consistently for new women, I, I could see that it could make a, a dramatic change in just the way women feel about themselves, whether they're uh, in a relationship or not. Share that with us uh, before going into the promise. Well, Operation Esther came about because of conversations I've had with coworkers, church members, people I've talked to in the community. And uh, as far as African-American women, sometimes our expectation of marriage or monogamy, uh, a committed relationship or marriage, is not there. Culturally, I don't know what we have been told and why some of our history, the Empress has We've talked about our history as far as from slavery on up, our expectation in society of marriage. And Esther, of course, is in the Bible, and she was a queen that was selected from a group of women, and she went through a process, 12 months uh, of a treatment 
process, six months with myrrh and six months with oils and perfumes. And me personally, you know, I'm reading the thing and I'm trying to figure out why 12 months and what is myrrh for and what is all this perfume about. And if she was nice looking, then the king was just going to look at her and think she was nice looking and he would select her. Well, of course, understanding the Persian culture and what those people were about and that Esther actually was um, an orphan who was captured and who was not a Persian woman, his selection of her amongst all the other concubines that were available, she had to stand out for a particular reason. Um, yes, uh-huh. we know the story goes on to the sovereignty of God and how she actually freed her people by using her position of influence once she was the queen. But the process of selection, uh, we all want to be chosen. Again, we want our person to be validated by having a connection. That's part of our psychological needs. That's part of our human need, our human connectedness. And I wanted to explore that with a group of women and actually question, why do you not see yourself in this position or what is the process of preparing yourself for a, and I'm specifically speaking of marriage, I, you know, mm-hmm. I understand, again, it's 2015, but I'm speaking of marriage and progress to the point of marriage. So you're going to be someone's queen. Okay, that's how Operation mm-hmm. S came about. And, mm-hmm. again, the promise, the promise or expectation, I believe, that most of us have is to have that significant relationship. I mean, even when we're in grade school and we don't really know what we're talking about, we talk about the boyfriend and girlfriend. And because Uh he held your hand or sat by you at cafeteria on the bus, (laughs) you have already selected yourself as his girlfriend. That is something that we naturally do. Now, because when you think about it, who tells you that? You're six years old. You're seven years old. You naturally... I got a boyfriend in my class, mama, or whatever. No one has to tell you that. I think that is amazing as well, that you just naturally gravitate towards. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. That's just so funny to me. Uh, We don't know nothing about nothing, but we can tell you that we got a boyfriend. Okay. Right. And with that promise, with that promise, what were you really expecting? What did that person promise you? Um, I have, of course, we explored another aspect of listen to what the man is saying to you. If he Girl. tells you he does not have a desire to be married, believe him because he does not. Right. I have had uh-huh. the unfortunate experience of wanting to play uh-huh. house and do all these things with a man and spent some time, 14 years, all in my little 20s. And he uh-huh. told me from the beginning he did not want to be married. And to this day, in our 40s, he is not married. Uh-huh. Now, he's fathered children. Uh-huh. He's had multiple uh-huh. relationships. But he uh-huh. is not married because he does not have a desire to be. That's what he said. So uh-huh. the promise. What is the promise that these gentlemen uh-huh. are making to you? If they're saying anything, the part right. that I did appreciate about the show, Ayana was really bringing home that we have to be responsible for the choices that we make as women. We are not victims. We are not these helpless uh. creatures that falling in bed with these people and making children and and then, you know, having our hearts broke. No, you're participating. You are making a Thank conscious you. choice to be with this person for whatever reason it is. This is person, a lot of them were saying loneliness. 
And I was like, really? Oh. I mean, I mean, good gracious, is everybody? Okay, I thought that was just interesting, but their their response was, I was just lonely. So I wanted to be with him. He presented himself, mm-hmm. and there we go. They wanted the future that he was promising. Now, no one ever said that he mentioned marriage, mm-hmm. and that right. to me was very interesting. And so from, yes, part of Operation Esther, I basically accosted y'all in the barbershop when we talked about it, Listen to what the man is saying. I knew his response was going to be he didn't want to be married. But Uh we regularly trying to change his mind. No, do Uh not do that. Uh No, Uh listen to what the man Uh is saying. So are you saying that if he says, I don't know, that he really doesn't know? Is that a real answer? He does not know. Okay. To me, I take that as not affirmative that you're moving in that direction. So I take that as a no. Because uh-huh. it's not, marriage is, is, is a yes or a no to me. I don't know. Uh, okay, for me, <laughs> that, that's not an answer. To me, that's a no. Right. Because right. It's, it's either yes, yes I am willing no. to. Okay. Right. Right. I think, I think you, I, I, I'm going to tell you, you told me that. You told me that you said, what are you in relationship for? What do you really want? And I walked away from what that barbershop not knowing whether or not I wanted to be married when I do. And, and I'm, I'm in defense of some of the women who say that they're lonely. I have, I have got to say that I have not felt lonely. I just am alone so much that I be wanting to talk to someone. I be wanting to share with someone. I want to participate in things like Christmas and holidays and all that kind of thing, that is very difficult for me when I don't have an active plan to do things. And it doesn't have to be male, female. It just has to be interaction with people. I was raised, I came in this world with somebody else. Like I wasn't even born by myself. So I'm just used to people being present. And to change from that to uh, what seems to be no option or no option that I'm a, a, attracted to is very difficult. So I can understand when women say that, you know, I just chose to be, you know, I, I'm not going to be the baby mama number 32 or, or 15 or nothing like that. I'm just saying. But I can understand people saying, you know, everything that he didn't say still spoke to us having a significant future. But are you saying that we have to ask direct questions, direct, you know, purpose from that person? I I will say this because I don't want to come off like I'm being critical. Everything that I'm talking to you about tonight, I've had to study Uh and spend some time with myself. I went through a period, about 10 years of celibacy, no dating, no one calling nothing going on. And I had that particular time period, I kind (laughs) of, it wasn't voluntarily, but I was having a particular, Uh I call it prayer argument with God, not that he was arguing back, but, you know, I'm expressing myself very passionately. And it Uh was like, I had an aha moment of, how about you find out really what you want, first of all, Uh and then take Uh some time to study relationships, study your sexuality, Study your Christian faith and what your Christian faith says about relationships and sexuality. And get yourself together because you're here, you're disappointed, this person is not coming with the promise that you wanted, 
and you are critical of him, but what are you doing? So yeah. because you're the other equation in the in this in this problem here, you're the other person here. And so I spent that time making a conscious effort to study and to really ask some questions. I found some married couples that I thought was, you know, had it going on. I asked them questions about their relationship. I asked some guys questions about, um, you know, them dating and courtship and marriage and, and why they're so opposed to it, if some of them were opposed to it. And so having that particular time, having that quest, it helped me to understand myself. It helped me to understand what my needs are. There's a book that I was reading called His Needs, Her Needs. And, of course, Empress, you know that I've gotten married. I'll be married now five years this coming uh, August 2015. Uh, I married for the first time at 41 years old. And for a lot of people, you know, that's past the age of, oh, my God, I'm just going to fall out because I, <laughs> I don't have anybody. But I have to say, I mean, truthfully, I have to say for myself, I was not ready for marriage at 20, 25, 30, 35. I didn't know who I was. I was uh-huh. angry. I was unforgiving. I was critical. I was not happy about too much of anything. And I'm sure, you know, you don't want to make someone miserable. So there were uh-huh. things about life and myself that had to be settled, that had to be healed, that had to be addressed. And I addressed those things before I got into a marital relationship with my husband. Because I'll tell you, marriage is a mirror. That's the best analogy that I've heard a pastor give. Because everything that's really there, <laughs> that person's going to reflect uh-huh. back to you. Uh-huh. And a lot of times they are your critic and your coach at the same time. And there has to be a maturity in that authentic, transparent relationship that helps you through it where you're not offended every time they say something to you that may uh, be a critique. And you are sharing intimate space and thoughts and feelings and challenges of life with another person, and that is a delicate dance itself. Um, I would admonish, like I did with the group, young uh, single women and men to define what are you looking for? What are your top three reasons for being wanting to be married or in a relationship? What are you looking for? Uh, I understand we have the need for affirmation, affection, conversation, domestic support, family commitment, financial support, honesty and openness, physical attractiveness, uh, recreational companionship, and sexual fulfillment. Uh, it's a book, His Needs and Her Needs. It's a book that I've been reading, and I understand we all have those needs on a particular level. Okay, when you're going after addressing those needs, how are how are you navigating that? How does that come about in your life? Um, we we say it's easier for men, or we think it is. Um, they see somebody, they're physically attracted to them, they start a conversation. Okay, we're going to go out and do some recreation together. But is that all we're doing? Uh, we're going out to eat. It was going to the movie. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to minimize. You understand what I'm saying. But what are you doing? Right. You still there? I'm still here. I was just pausing for a moment. I didn't want to talk too much about it. But that, I'm not critical of what the young ladies were expressing because there is a process of life before you mature 
I believe, to really know what you desire in the first place. You're going to make mistakes. Mm. You're going to pick the wrong person. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, I have to give give my cup to myself some slack as well as other people to understand we don't come here knowing everything. The beauty of the journey of life is discovery and learning. Learning is lifelong. I tell teenagers that all the time, and I have learned to tell adults that. Just because you stop your formal education does not mean you can't pick up a book. You can't go to a seminar. You can't invest in your understanding of relationship. Go to a counselor if you need to. Those opportunities are there for you to grow and evolve as a person. Mm. Well, Tamika, let me say this. My little notepad is full again because I tell you, I I, I know that a lot of people feel like, uh, you know, that there's not a roadmap to relationship. But in some ways, some things are kind of, you know, it is what it is. Like you said, if he tells you he don't want to be married and your intent is to be married, that's pretty much saying it's not him. Okay, so you need to release that and go to something else. How how much more clear on on um, the three P's does it need to get? I mean, I don't I don't see anything that we have skipped. Anything that you want to add? Um, and you know, first of all, I do want to ask you this. Okay, we talked about marriage and we talked about uh, sex, but everybody is not made for marriage. That's just a don't you think that that's just the truth? Everybody's not not that everybody's not going to get married. Some people are just not made for marriage. Do you agree with that or disagree? I would say this as as okay, marriage because mm-hmm. and we have had a passionate discussion about this before. Marriage mm-hmm. in the context that I'm speaking of it is a Christian mm-hmm. concept model uh, more a, you know, mode of culture. Uh, marriage mm-hmm. was a God idea. He said it's not good for mm-hmm. a man to be alone, so he made him a companion. Uh, for this mm-hmm. reason shall a man leave his father and mother cleave to his wife. Genesis 2. Okay, mm-hmm. we see that in mm-hmm. the Word, in the Bible. When you are a believer, Christian believer, the Word of God is your roadmap for life. That is something that he mm-hmm. says, yes, this is this is something I designed for you. Now, when we talk about the overall culture of our society, there are some people, and even Christians, that say they don't want to be married. That is an mm-hmm. uh, act of your will to say, I want to be mm-hmm. in a committed relationship with this person. You mm-hmm. have a choice, yes, mm-hmm. in what you desire to do. Marriage, again... When your lifestyle, your manner of living, the things you do day to day is dictated by your faith, if if uh-huh. if you're a person of faith, when it's dictated uh-huh. by your faith, this is what he has offered for your fulfillment and sexual expression is marriage. Uh, People, okay. now I rebelled against that. I, I'm, let me be the first one to say I rebelled against that. Well, everybody, everybody didn't get married. They don't want to get married. Nah, nah, nah. And you have all of that coming up, but I, my argument was based on what I'm hearing other people say, and I know my general makeup was, child, you can't be out <laughs> it, the, It's not for I was about to say, so, okay, I'm not going to get sister girl, but my need for companionship 
my top three reasons for marriage were sex, companionship, and legacy. I knew that I needed companionship in my life. That that brought to bring about healing from some things from my childhood on up into my adulthood. I knew that I wanted sexual expression and intimacy in a relationship with a husband. And three, I knew that me bearing children or procreating coming from uh-huh. the sexual experience was what was needed for legacy for my husband and for myself because we don't neither one of us have children. Okay, so uh-huh. the desire for marriage came from my faith, from my expression of belief in what God has said, what the Bible has said. Okay, God, let me get in line with what your word is saying. Everyone right. does not ascribe to a faith-based decision of marriage. Our culture is saying same-sex marriage. Our culture is saying uh, common-law marriage. Our culture is saying you don't have to marry anybody. You just have multiple partners. My resolve about marriage is that is a decision based on my faith, not my culture. Now, um, people make decisions about how they live their life based on different stuff. I don't know what that is for your audience. They have to answer that question. Monogamy, I don't think is something that, you know, because a man will tell you, well, there's too many of y'all, and I just want to taste all of it. But no. <laughs> Let's just, no. You are made, but, but that man has to really acquiesce, as Frank Bishop would say, to who he is in God and how God made him. And he's to be the head of a wife. But that uh-huh. that comes from again that comes again from you understanding who you are and who created you and what he created you for. But that's right. based on a life of faith. But marriage for people that say, Well, um, I just wanna be out here and have a good time. There uh-huh. are people that just feel that way. Uh-huh. And I have to, you know, I said, Hmm. I listen to people tell me that all the time. And I'm like, okay. And then I have to <laughs> just go on. Because you, and I, like I said, I'm not evading the question. I answered it as far as why marriage, because I was rebelling against the idea myself. Now, I wasn't really happy. I wasn't making no progress with nothing. And now I am, again, after setting a boundary around my sexuality and understanding, spending some time in study, understanding who I am, how I was created, realizing that my attractiveness to male, God didn't even leave that up to me. I thought that was so funny because we laugh about it as women. You know, a little time of ovulation occurs and we feel a little feisty. And all of that is to promote having children. That is even hormone You don't even pick that portion of yourself. I think that's funny. That is just amazing to me. But anyway, okay, I digress. Again, my my well, my faith and and that that dictates my lifestyle. Girl, I, I I I'm writing so hard right now because I think that you've done a great service in explaining the three P's to us, and I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and doing the show with us. Okay, your that applause, girl. There, I'm gonna applause. I'm going to get me one of those jeans. Oh, you're so silly. But uh, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you uh, for any speaking events, are you available for that? And how would they get in contact with you for that purpose? 
Oh, my. I have been asked on multiple levels <laughs> about speaking. I am on Facebook, but I I will get that information to you, Empress, uh, contact okay. information if your audience is interested uh, because <laughs> I am trusting. I ain't gonna put you out there. Like I have some things going on. You That's have right. I ain't gonna put. I, I, well, you know what? I I, I will take it back. I'm a, I'm a digress. I'm a re-digress, and we're gonna do a little show spot, and then we're gonna close the show. Out. Everything begins with an honest, open conversation. The Empire is exactly that place, and you can just weigh in. Listen or debate with others about topics ranging from childcare, sex, religion, and politics. We talk about the things that matter, the things we experience, and we make plans for how we can better live with change. Real talk, real people, real issues with real solutions. Call 646-478-5625 every Sunday and Wednesday at 8 Central on Blog Talk Radio to get Empire with the Empress. Or you can log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the Empire, where the Empress speaks and the Empire listens. The Atlanta Mardi Gras Ball is returning once again. Saturday, February the 7th, 2015, to celebrate and pay homage to the Carnival's most popular tradition. From Mobile, Alabama to Atlanta, Georgia, let the good times roll. Text ATL Mardi Gras to 545454. Again, that's just text ATL Mardi Gras to 545454. It's a BYOB affair. Tell them the Empress sent you. Yes, tell them the Empress sent you and get me a moon pie and a little bit of the uh, king cake and, and bring it to me. I'm already swole as it is. I'm excited, and my mind is just going because I think this was an excellent, excellent uh, show tonight with uh, Sister Jackson. I call her Sister Jackson, but um, the three Ps are just what they are, knowing who you are first. You cannot ask someone to uh, give into your life if you don't even know what needs you have yourself, what needs you can take care of yourself uh, with regard to relationship. And this penis and poo nanny was very, very clinical tonight, and I'm so excited that we didn't have to get, like the biggest thing, I didn't have to get sister. It is what it is. We are human beings. We were made in this way, and to ignore that part of yourself is to ignore a part of yourself that can be incompleted, that can be taken advantage of, and be careful of what you introduce into your life because where there is an opening, it can be filled with something that is not necessarily what you want in your life. So be careful with whom you lay. Make sure that at least what what you need or what your promises for yourself and for your future and for your legacy, at least that's in there as well. Uh, I would... I would say that I do. I do. I believe that marriage is not an ultimatum, but I do think that it is the functionality of family, of relationship. It is the extension of how family continues. It is an ordered way of how it's supposed to be, and there's no way to recreate that outside of man and woman. It's just my opinion, and I'm just going to say that. I don't disrespect other people's choices to do what's good for them, but I cannot co-sign on something that I don't think is out absolutely the way it should be, just like other people feel like I should just be shutting up. But since this is 
what I have to say is I'm going to say that. I think making a conscious decision uh, would require that you be conscious, and conscious meaning knowing and understanding exactly what you are in from yourself to what's outside of yourself and what you want from your life. And you would have to have a relationship with God in order to understand those things. Now, you know, I, I, I'm just like, I, I don't discount that people uh, uh, have different belief systems than I do. Um, I will say that I do respect that difference. I don't um, necessarily understand a lot of how people function with believing that there is nothing bigger than themselves and that it's just like an accidental happening or some kind of chemical equation or just a bing, bang, boom. You know, if that's what you believe, then that's great. I don't even want to get into that, especially if it involves numbers and, and history and all. I'm just talking about the present of where I am now and where I've been and where I anticipate going. There's a governing over myself and what I, I need that I can't explain all of what it is. I know what it has been for me, and I think that that is the truth of what she was saying. Everybody has a certain purpose. What that purpose is has to be found within yourself. I don't think anybody outside of yourself can give it to you, but they can cue you in on it. Nobody that you run into in life is by mistake. No interaction is. It's up to you to determine what it's supposed to be. Um, And about the only thing I really, really know about myself right now is that I absolutely love my children. They are uh, a gift to me in, in every sense of the word. Even though I had a whoop that little girl this morning, it was something to hear her unprovoked say when picking her up that she was sorry, that she was disrespectful. It, it, made, it made me feel like I was doing something right. Uh, I also am very grateful for having family and extended family around me that creates a sound purpose for me and people who feed into my life uh, in a positive way that doesn't make me feel like I'm just bumbling around and and doing something that doesn't make sense. And the uh, sharing of that, uh, once you know what that is, I think is a part of everyone's purpose. If you're just going to be given a gift to hold in a glass jar in a corner by yourself, it really doesn't gift anybody but you. And God is the God that I serve. Now, you might be serving somebody who's all right with that. I think that there is uh, it does a disservice for the testament of the God that you serve, if you serve the same one that I do, not to share when you have that ability. It's not always in money. It's not always in public speaking. It's not always in this. It's sometimes just in an experience and in a past. And it might be that person that you talk to on the elevator. It might be in whatever uh, experience that you do have. So don't take it for nothing. Because just like we said at the beginning, the power of what you do and say and experience with other people is just as powerful and life-giving or death-removing if you don't. Like, I just think that I, I take time and try to listen and conversate with people who come into my world, into my space to do that, because I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, everybody may not have that gift. I can't play a note on the piano. I used to could sing until this thyroid got out of control. But what that which I'm given, I will give back. And I am a grown woman, and I can do whatever I want. So that's how we're going to leave it.
Cause I put it 